The League of Legends betting podcast is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash gelati lol. There you can find bonus content like in-depth articles on macro trend analysis and league previews, as well as thoughts on breaking news and the podcast picks before the show is released to platforms. You also get to support your creators more directly. Patreon.com slash gelati lol. That's G-E-L-A-T-I-L-O-L. Good evening, everybody. It is currently about 5.15 p.m. on Saturday, March 2nd. We are right in the middle of the LCS slate. Uh, the way I'm going to do this this week, or, or for tonight anyway, is I'm actually just going to release the LPL and LCK podcast right now without a recap involved. I still want to watch some of these. i got to rewatch some of these LCS games, and I'm kind of like peeping over as I'm working here. But I wanted to record the LPL and LCK ones so people have my thoughts, and I will do a recap on the LCS podcast later on in Part 2 for the Sunday slate. First match we have on Sunday, Week 5, Day 7 in the LPL, is Weibo Gaming, minus 135 on the money line. The minus 1.5 maps at plus 208, the plus 1.5 at minus 417 against Fun Plus Phoenix, plus 102 on the money line, plus 1.5 at minus 294, minus 1.5 at plus 279. Fun Plus Phoenix are five and two straight up as underdogs, six and one against the map spread. They are thirteen and five against kill spread. Team has been insanely good as an underdog this season. They are the surprise. They are the team that the market is having the toughest time adjusting to. Weibo four and two as favorites straight up. Um, they've lost their last two as favorites, and um, yeah, th- this team isn't. You know, they, I have a feeling. I feel similarly about Weibo as I do about LNG and that I think they're going to figure it out eventually and that this team's going to be good, but they're still kind of getting their feet under them. And unlike LNG, they don't have a really cakewalk schedule the rest of the way. So, and that starts with this match. This is a really, really interesting spot from a qualitative perspective. I think, um, you know, from what we've seen, Fun Plus are the better team. They should be favored here. You know, quality, quantitatively, like the numbers say that Fun Plus should be a better team. The model made Fun Plus a minus 154 favorite in this. Now, Weibo do have side choice, which is important in the LPL because teams have been having a very difficult time winning from red side. Um, it's not like there's a massive uh, win percentage difference in red and blue. I think it's only like 52-48 right now, which is not crazy. You know, we've seen 60-40s in the past in the LPL, but teams are having a really, really difficult time winning from red, and the reason that's important is because, you know, Weibo are presumably going to have blue on 1-3 and three in this match. So we have to think FPX are going to win on red side twice. Or not twice, at least once in this series, potentially twice. Um, so this kind of this whole concept that you know I I I kind of dove into this I spent you know part of the reason why this podcast is coming out late and I was late yesterday as well is cuz over the past couple of days I've actually spent a lot of time um kind of tinkering with the concept of like how teams are performing on side choice and if there's any any you know forward predicting to be done from that or if it's just you know nice data to know and there's nothing predictive about it um I'm not entirely done with that yet, but I've been just messing around with it. And what I've discovered thus far is that essentially there are four teams in the LPL right now, just four, that are like playing actually well on offside. Like literally there's four teams. It's JDG, Fun Plus, Billy Billy, and Ninjas in Pajamas. And that's it. And really, like Ninjas in Pajamas aren't even that strong. There's really only three teams that are like noticeably better than the field on offside. 
JDG and Billy Billy are clearly the two best teams. They're like a full standard deviation better than the field in this. Uh, Fun Plus are like a point six uh, deviation, and you know Ninjas are like point three. Again, like I'm not. Um, this isn't like a full on exact science yet. Like I, I'm just tinkering with the idea. I haven't done any back testing with it. I'm just. I just did some, you know, Z score style breakdowns of this whole thing to kind of come up with uh, a concept. And like just to visualize it for myself so that I have can, you know, kind of uh, like a team profile to look at. Those are the only four teams that are playing well on offside, straight up. And offside isn't always red side. It's mostly red side. But like, you know, despite the overall win rate not being good, the overall win win rate is vastly inflated by the fact that it's these four teams winning on red side. And if you haven't picked up the clue here, those four teams are I believe right now your top four I'm just they're my top four power rated teams and they are my they are four three of the four top four teams top esports are not included in this interestingly um that's kind of interesting to note uh because top esports have not actually been uh I'm gonna pull this up right now top esports haven't actually had let's see they've only had side selection in four out of nine okay so that's not too startling or anything but perhaps something to keep an eye on for top esports but anyway i digress uh, the the point being i've been looking a lot into into that into like the offside dynamic and i think the red side blue side is like the numbers like the actual raw win rate of 5248 is lying to you it's straight up lying to you because the four elite teams are propping up that red side win rate so much that it's probably closer to like it's probably closer to like 5842 or th- uh, fifty, yeah, like fifty-eight, forty-two. So, if that's the case, then you know, it, I, I kind of had this inclining, like, like I had this idea, just like watching it and getting a vibe for it, and you know, losing on a couple spread bets, and kind of just seeing that like teams just like roll over and die on red side. Like even these mediocre teams just look completely toothless, and they're losing, like LNG losing to Ultra Prime, and you know, there's a bunch of other examples, but like they just get like shit stomped on map two. I was like, is there really that big of a difference? And I kind of looked into it and, you know, it turns out it's really just like the four model rated power team, best model rated power, like rated teams. Um, besides top esports, they're kind of the exception are in fact the ones that are struggling. You know, they're the only ones that are doing well on red side straight up. It's, it's, it's bizarre. I'm not talking about just results, like just wins, losses, like just win rate. I'm talking about like performance metrics. Like they are, there are four teams that are performing well on red side in the LPL. It essentially is what this is boiling down to. That's the TLDR. So the reason that applies to this handicap is because fun plus are one of them. And, you know, even though they don't, and I think it's a big reason why they're doing so well right now is because they have some kind of solution. They've done, they've are using counter picks and they just play well from red side They're Perhaps all the gambling that they do, like all the, the early coin flipping they do from red, which is something we kind of noticed early on with them. Um, you know, these explosive early games, like perhaps they look at it as like, we have to blow the game open or we're not going to have control over Baron pit. Cause that's the big leverage point. Right. So they've done a really good job with dragon control from red side as well, which makes sense because red typically has slightly better dragon control, but, um, they understand what they're up against playing from that side. So they're taking advantage of it or they're, they're trying to create equity for themselves by, you know, making aggressive calls. Like they're doing these essentially like the NFL equivalent of like going for two 
you know, down two scores kind of idea, right? Like, ju it's just a plus EV play. It's only a couple percentage points difference, but they're just trying to take advantage of that. So the reason I bring all of this up is I'm actually just, I'm going to key, I'm going to start keying on map two a lot more. And maybe this ends up, you know, exploding in my face. I don't know. But I think, I mean, we have plenty of evidence now at this point that there's something going on here and there's something to this. So I'm going to start attacking it. So I played map two, fun plus money line, minus 101 for uh, one unit. Uh, actually, I should just change that to 1.01 units just for bookkeeping. But anyway, I also played the fun plus money line, plus 102 for a half unit and the fun plus minor, minus one and a half maps at plus 279 for a quarter unit. The idea here is... I'm keying on map two. I really think this is either going to be a fun plus two O or fun plus lose the first one and win the next two maps. Alternatively, you could play the plus one and a half maps or you could play just like a one and a half X stake on the money line. But I'm keying on map two. It's a little bit aggressive. It's more aggressive than straight up playing the money line because it's possible they win offside map one and then weirdly lose onside game two. But in the LPL, this is an angle that we can take advantage of and I'm going to try to take advantage of it. So... Um, again, map two, fun plus money line, minus 101 for one unit. Um, fun plus match money line, plus 102 for a half unit, and fun plus minus one and a half maps for plus 279 for a quarter unit. The idea being if, if fun plus win map two and then lose the series two to one, we still, we still net a quarter unit. So that's the idea. Next up, we have anyone's legend, plus 181 on the money line, plus one and a half maps at minus 170, minus one and a half at plus 420 against... Ninjas in pajamas, minus 250 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps at plus 127, plus 1.5 at minus 711. 420 and 711 in these same prices here. That's fun. Anyway, um, interesting. Uh, anyone's legends have been surprisingly good. I have, you know, have to tip my hat to them. They've been, a t you know, I was, I was optimistic about this lineup, but I, you know, didn't expect them to be as good as they've been so far. Um, Unlike a lot of the teams in the LPL, they've actually been consistent, which is kind of hilarious given this team's history. Uh, Anyone's Legend, you know, dating back to like Rogue Warriors and everything, this was a team that was the volatility team in the world. Like they were the best upside dogs, the, the team to fade as favorites, etc. for a long, long time. And for most of the 10 years since they've become Anyone's Legend, it was the same kind of idea, right? But this iteration of Anyone's Legend is very consistent. Their game grade sample is very low volatility. And you know, since the new year break, they've actually been quite consistent. Um, I think qualitatively, this is a very challenging matchup for them, though. Uh, Shanji, one of the best top laners in the league, against Harry, one of the worst top laners in the league. I uh, really, you know, I think I think Rookie is probably the best player in this series individually. Um, I'll give AL a, an edge in the bottom lane. I think they get an edge there. But, you know, NIP have been one of the elite teams, obviously. I think they're one of the top five teams right now. Interestingly, uh, as I mentioned just now, the those five teams that are good on offside um i think i misspoke earlier i might have said four anyway there's there's five teams with a positive game grade uh versus like compared to the league average on offside those five teams are i mentioned four of them already it's jdg fun plus uh where is it uh, top esports are the 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 fifth out of five notably and billy billy and ninjas in pajamas are the other two so um, the reason I bring that up again is because we have one of those red side teams, good red side teams or good offside teams playing on offside for the map and, or for the match. And that makes things interesting. Now, 
my models made this pretty much dead on the market price with a little less vig obviously so like you know they made this minus 229 for nip plus 195 for al normally in this kind of situation i would give a bump for side choice to al and i'd be interested in backing them as a dog but ninjas in pajamas are one of the good teams on offside and they're taking advantage of it so i actually think I'm going to do the same thing again in this match. I'm going to key on map two. I'm going to play map two, Ninjas in Pajamas money line, minus 185 for one unit. And I'm going to play the Ninjas in Pajamas sweep, minus one and a half maps at plus 127 for a quarter unit. Uh, the idea, I'm, I'm really, you know, maybe I'm being overly aggressive on some new data I found. I'm being a little blinded or having tunnel vision, myopia or whatever you want to call it. But I think... You know, these are these teams that are good offside teams are the teams you want to be backing to sweep. I just have enough respect for anyone's legend that I'm not going to go heavy duty on it right away. Um, I do think this is probably a tougher matchup for anyone's legend than they've seen than seen for a while. Uh, they had a really tough opening schedule. They played Fun Plus, WE, and Billy Billy for their first three matches. Since then, they've really not faced anybody good, unless you want to count like OMG and Weibo, who I think are like meh right now. This team also lost EDG 0-2, although I'd argue they probably should have won both those games. They just threw them. But if they threw against EDG, NIP are a significantly better macro team than EDG are. So, and their mid and late game macro is actually good. Uh, really, the thing concern I have with NIP is that they sometimes gamble a little bit in the early game, and uh, they have to dig themselves out of a hole. So I think NIP are probably... Like this is if you factor in that AL have side choice, but that NIP are also good on offside, and that it qualitatively, I think NIP are just a better macro team and a better team overall. I think that kind of balances out, and you have a pretty close to market price. But I do think map two is a key point, and NIP are going to have choice on it, and they've been great with choice. So uh, again, map two NIP money line minus one eighty five for one unit, and NIP series sweep minus one and a half maps at plus one twenty seven for a quarter unit. Match three in the LPL on Sunday is OMG plus 327 on the money line, plus one and a half maps at plus 100, minus one and a half at plus 722 against JD Gaming, JDG minus 510 on the money line, minus one and a half maps at uh, minus 132 and plus one and a half at minus 1547. JDG a perfect 6 and 0 as favorites, only 3 and 3 against the map spread. Um, OMG 3 and 2 is dogs, 3 and 2 against the map spread is dogs. So as we've discussed quite a bit here, JDG have been rounding into form. Uh, they've looked excellent of late. I really, really like pretty much everything that they're doing. The main concern we had with them uh, earlier on this season was that they're kind of doing the LNG from 2023 thing and just like, you know, surrendering early game to scale and just assuming they'll outplay later with their better players, which worked for them. But it was a very, it was a departure from what we'd come to know JDG as. So I think a lot of it was just them, you know, feeling out their new roster, figuring out what they were going to do. The last like three or four matches, they've really ratcheted up the pace, and um, their you know the early game is now completely turned around. It looks really really good again, and you know Kanavi's in great form at the moment, and they it looks like they've figured it out because you know they're they're now like number one in raw agnostic economy, the second in differential. This looks it's starting to look. It's still not JDG from last year, but it's starting to look more and more like that. Unfortunately for OMG, I think they're kind of catching JDG uh, right at the worst possible time for them. Um, now, OMG, what I'll say is, like, they've had pretty strong game grades of late. They're playing pretty well, but they've also really only faced one good team since the Lunar New Year break, and that's if you want to consider Weibo good, or maybe anyone's legend as well. Um, 
you know, in their last few matches, they um, they lost to Anyone's Legend 2-1. They beat Rare Adam 2-0, which doesn't mean anything because it's Rare Adam. They beat Weibo 2-1, which is relevant. And they beat EDG 2-1. Not exactly like a super flattering set of results for OMG. Um, but interestingly, you know, just kind of talking about the side divergence thing that we've been discussing today... They're one of the bigger divergences in on and offside performance. Onside performance, they're a legitimately good team. They're probably like the sixth or seventh power rated team in the uh, in the league, you know, just based on their data. And you know, looking at their game grades, they're actually you know in that range as well. Offside, they are not. They are well below. They're they're not well below. They are below average in offside performance, and that's you know what it takes to be uh, that essentially makes OMG basically an average team. They're not terrible offside, but they're significantly worse than their onside performance. And I think, you know, people see these, these good games from them. Most of the good games that they've had have been onside. Their offside is kind of meh. Uh, OMG haven't had a ton of bad games. They've been another one of these, like, like similar to AL. They've been surprisingly consistent compared to like what we've come to know OMG as over the years. That's also relative to past expect or past performance, like historical expectations, not like what we're seeing right now. So I think just unfortunately, like, you know, this is a tough test for them. The last, like, truly elite opponent OMG have faced was NIP before the Lunar New Year break. Now, they probably should have won game one of that series. It was a huge throw, but they got absolutely smoked in game two of that match. Um, other than that, like, the only good teams they faced were Team WE and FPX, and that was back in week one. So, you know, week one, you have to kind of put a grain of salt. It, it's, you know, it's tough to know what's going on there sometimes. So, it's a while ago. I think JDG kind of rounding into forum. OMG do have side choice for this series, which makes this a little more interesting to think about. But I think I'm going to, once again, for the third time, I'm just going to play JDG Map 2 Moneyline. Um, JDG Map 2 Money, uh, Map two Moneyline minus 270 for 1.5 units. Uh, I'm also going to play the JDG minus 1.5 maps at minus 119 for a quarter unit. Um, if you wanted to get more aggressive, you could play the Map 2 kill spread for JDG. I'm not going to do that personally, but... I think that's an interesting angle as well. I will, you know, I can actually take a look at that right now. I didn't actually think about that before I started doing all of this. One moment. Un momento. Let me see if I have this. I'm pretty sure I do. JDG have an average. JDG have an 8.83 average margin of victory on offside. So... You know, minus seven and a half, minus eight and a half is probably good if you wanted to play that. Uh, it's not a huge edge or anything, but like if you wanted to play that angle more aggressively, you could. I think it's a tough spot for OMG. Like, you know, I, they've been pretty good. I've been, you know, surprisingly impressed with this line. I thought the bottom lane was going to be a liability and the top trio would be pretty good, but, you know, the bottom lane's been pretty good. I don't know if I want to expect that moving forward. Uh, Abel's kind of a feast or famine player. But he's been pretty good this year. Maybe I'm wrong about OMG and they're just pretty good. But I like JDG map too. And I think there's a reasonable chance they sweep this. But, you know, yeah, that's how I'm playing it. Moving on to the LCK week six, day five. Unfortunately, still only the square books are floating lines for this. Uh, none of the market makers are, which sucks. So I will not be personally playing any of these. But I will give you my breakdown regardless. First up, we have... Uh, all these lines are from Bet365, by the way. So just so you guys know where I'm looking and getting these prices. 
Uh, KT Rolster, minus 150 on the money line, minus 1.5 Massa, plus 200, plus 1.5 at minus 450 against D plus Kia, plus 110 on the money line, plus 1.5 Massa, minus 275, minus 1.5 at plus 300. KT are 4 and 1 uh, straight up as favorites, 3 and 2 against the map spread. D plus are 0 and 3 as underdogs, 1 and 2 against the match, uh, map spread as underdogs. So, two teams coming in in the exact opposite situation here. KT Rolster have faced a pretty tough schedule. Uh, I've. Their last three matches have been 0-2 losses to Hanwha T1 and Genji, respectively. Uh, before that, they had some easier matches, but they didn't exactly look great in either of those either, or in a few of those either. On the other side of this match, D Plus appear to have righted the ship. They've significantly improved in every aspect of their game, and they've won, I think, their last five series in a row. They've only dropped one game. Let me see what it was. One, two, three, four. They've lost. They've won their last four series in a row, and they've only dropped a single game. And the game that they dropped was the game two after like the many hours long pause on that weird Sunday slate last week. Um, so yeah, difference is D plus have faced a cakewalk schedule, like an absolute cakewalk. They faced DRX twice, FearX, and Brion as those four matches. So. You know, obviously, the model data and the numbers are going to be skewed heavily in D-plus's favor here because, you know, they've faced an easy schedule and they've shit-stomped that easy schedule and KT have faced a tough schedule and they've gotten shit-stomped in that tough schedule. So, you know, the model doesn't, you know, the models I use for this are strictly pure performance-based and I, you know, use a separate one for, you know, introducing the team strength and everything like that as well as just, you know, my qualitative opinion on it, my experience in this. You have to be careful with spots like this because sometimes it's really easy to be like, oh man, you know, KT have faced all tough schedules. They're going to come out of this and this will be an easy match for them. And D plus have faced an easy one. This is the toughest test they've had in a while, which is true. And you have to make an adjustment for that. The quest, the thing is though, like if you look at D plus's performance of late, they've really fixed a lot of the problems that they had. Like they, the KT are the same team that they've been. They haven't changed at all really. Like, if anything, they've kind of like their overall performance grade, even in losses, has degraded a little bit. Um, actually, quite a bit. But I'm, you know, trying to adjust manually for like the fact that they face good teams here. Um, D plus, on the other hand, like even though they're playing against bad teams, like their their performance has been significantly better. Like they're a legitimately good agnostic economy team now. You know, they're above 1,700 in raw agnostic economy, which is, like, elite tier. That's, like, with Gen G and T1. Um, their agnostic differential is not quite elite tier, but it's in the very, very good range as well. And, um, you know, obviously, it's been a cakewalk schedule. You have to take that into, into account here. But they've, you know, had a lead at 20 in 75% of their games. They've had a significant lead in 36% of their games. This is a tougher back half of their schedule but it appears that they have you know everything on the right track and that they've righted the ship here. I think D plus should be favored here. You know, I, th the model made the minus two thirty three favorites, obviously, but like we talked about the data just now, that's heavily skewed. I would probably make this like after adjusting for KT having side choice and everything. I'd probably still make D plus like a minus one thirty or minus one forty favorite in this match, and KT or minus one fifty favorites. The wrong team's favored here. This should be, like, at worst, a pick em. And I think, like, if you have access to play this, I do not. I don't have anywhere. N none of the places I play at, um, I'm able to get down on this one.
But uh, if you have access to this, I would absolutely play D plus on the money line. If anything that's like minus one ten or better, I would play. If this if they weren't on offside, this would be like a one and a half x or two x stake. But I have enough concerns about like the easy schedule plus like them being on offside that I, uh, you know, I wouldn't hammer this. But D plus are absolutely worth a play in this in this contest. The second match is a snoozer. We have DRX plus seven hundred on the money line, plus one and a half massive, plus two hundred, minus one and a half at plus eleven hundred against Tama Life Esports, minus sixteen hundred on the money line, minus one and a half massive, minus two seventy five, plus one and a half at minus five thousand. Uh, Hamal remain a perfect 9-0 as favorites, but they have now dropped another game against the map spread. They are now 7-2 against the map spread. Um, DRX 1-8 straight up as underdogs. They won their last match, I believe it was against Nongshim, and 4-5 um, and five against the map spread. So they've, they've taken a couple games off of the good teams, including, by the way, um, they hand, they won that. Um, they took a, the one map loss that D-plus have had in their last four series was against DRX, although it was in that game too after the pause. So grain of salt, you know. We know how pauses screw things up. Hama, a little bit shaky in their past few matches. A little bit out of character in a few of the games in their last matches, which is odd. I don't know if it's just the the not lack of crowd or if they're just you know getting bored or whatever. DRX, on the other hand, have kind of shown some signs of life. Uh, you know, they've kind of shuffled the roster around a little bit. Might see Kiehu again, but you know, it hasn't really changed my opinion that strongly of them. Like, I guess they're not dead in the water like they're not they're not eeyore like brion were early in the season just rolling over and dying every game they've got a little fight to them which is good but uh, you know ultimately like we know the deal here this is hanwa against the team that's worse than them they're just going to sweep it usually they've only missed that like three times in the last calendar like more than a calendar year like 14 months so yeah hanwa against the team that's they're better than just take them as favorites i'm not laying the price because it's an extent it's a ridiculous price especially because they're going to have to win on offside twice. If anything, if you forced, you know, held a gun to my head to play something in this series, I'd play DRX plus eight and a half kills on both maps one and two, but yeah, I'm, I'm not actually playing anything in this one. That's going to be it for this one. I will have an LCS show out probably much later tonight or early during the Eastern slate. Uh, apologies for the, um, you know, late show this weekend, but you know, had a celebration in the family. My brother just had his second child. So everything's everyone's happy and healthy, and that's great. And I had to go take care of that and see them and make sure everything was good and help them out with a few things. I will see you all tomorrow with uh, – actually, I guess probably later tonight with LCS and then tomorrow with the Monday Eastern Sleep.